You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to a Thanksgiving week edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I'm your host, Andrew Brand, produced by Jack Connell, musical producer, my son, Sam, who is with me this week as we get together for family food and football on Thanksgiving. We're presented, as always, by DraftKings. Got a few rants, a Brant's Rants part of this podcast, and then we'll get into my simulcast podcast with my colleague and friend, Ross Tucker where he asked me a bunch about my Germany trip and then, of course, about playing on Thanksgiving. I think you'll enjoy those. I think you should uh, stick around definitely to hear what I talked about with old friend Ross Tucker later in the podcast. First, a couple of rants. Last week, we had a special edition about the Harbaugh case, which settled, of course, on the courthouse steps. I talked to my sports law colleague, uh, scholar colleague, Gabe Feldman at Tulane University, and we had kind of a intellectual erudite discussion between two lawyers about what would happen with Jim Harbaugh. We talked about a potential settlement on the courthouse steps at what was supposed to be last Friday before the Maryland game. And maybe everyone would agree that Harbaugh sit out the Maryland game. So that would be a two-game suspension and be back for Ohio State. But then there seemed to be some rumblings that the NCAA knew more and had more than people thought. And all of a sudden, linebacker coach, I believe his name is Chris Partridge, he resigns. And there's a story about an Uncle T, who's a big booster at Michigan, who may have been doing some nefarious things or bankrolling this sign-stealing operation. And lo and behold, the powerful Michigan and Harbaugh and the powerful Washington, D.C. law firm Williams and Conley waved the white flag. They surrender the Big Ten. We'll take your suspension. So to review... The past couple of weeks, Harbaugh indignant. I'm coaching. I'm getting on the stand. It's going to be like a few good men. I love Judge Judy. And then a week later, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I am happy to serve my three-game suspension, including the all-important, all-knowing Ohio State game coming up this weekend. So it was a change of heart. And as you know, I, my saying, there were lawyers. Wow, there were lawyers. Because this thing changed in a heartbeat. And it's just part one. This is just the appetizer for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. The NCA does not move at the speed of the Big Ten and their commissioner sportsmanship clause levied by Tony Petiti in this three-game suspension. Now they're looking into all the evidence the NCA is, and I would expect a much deeper penalty. Will it happen by their bowl game or championship uh, level game? I don't think so. But maybe next year, when maybe Harbaugh's no longer there, maybe a lot of players aren't even there, maybe a lot of coaching staff's not there, but we haven't seen the end of discipline for the Jim Harbaugh-Connor Stallions controversy where a low-level staffer has embroiled the entire Michigan football program in ways that no one ever thought would happen. Here it is. Harbaugh, Michigan, Williams and Conley, lawyers, after paying these lawyers tens of thousands of fees, at least on this case alone, give up. 
surrender. White flag. Hey, we'll take the punishment. So that's to bring you up to date if you're not already. What I think happened is they got a peek at the evidence and they knew the judge, in my opinion, we talked about this with Gabe last week, was going to show deference to the commissioner, just like the Tom Brady case, just like the Ezekiel Elliott case, just like so many cases that find their way out of the arbitration system into the courts where the courts say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? We got a commissioner. He runs that league. We don't know about that league. We're not football people. We're judges. So they defer and they deferred here. I think this judge would have deferred. I think the three game suspension was going to happen unless there would have been some kind of settlement on the course out steps at any rate. And there was no hearing. There was no few good men moment by Jim Harbaugh. He accepted the punishment and that's where we are. Okay. Next rant. Let's, I haven't, because we were doing a special podcast last week, I didn't comment on two major injuries and contracts involved in those situations. It seems like weeks ago, but it was only a week and a half ago where Deshaun Watson, it's announced by the Cleveland Browns, he's out for the year, out for the year with a shoulder injury gone. So let's review Deshaun Watson, five-year contract, the best contract in NFL history, $230 million, fully secured. And here we are two years into it, okay? We're 40% into this five-year investment by the Browns. Here's the tally so far. 11 games played, five last year. I'm sorry, six la- five last year, six this year. Again, five last year, six this year. That's 11 games he has made, will have made by the end of the season, $92 million. Five I'm sorry, five games last year, six games this year, 11 games, $92 million, almost $9 million per game. That is quite a business of football Hall of Fame moment for Deshaun Watson. Now, the Browns will tell you it's a long-term investment, but we said that last year, and that was when there were four years left. Now there are three years left. On the field, where, you know, I'm not a scout. doesn't seem like he's done much. He had a couple good games, but I'll let other people evaluate that. But on the business side, it's not a great investment so far. And that's not even talking about the three number one picks. So Deshaun Watson out. Again, no one can prepare for injuries. I get it. Injuries are the bane of the existence of NFL teams. Every team has them, though. And we're going to talk about another huge one in a minute. But Deshaun Watson, what a deal. I continued two and a half years later to shake my head that this player, not any others, got the best contract in NFL history. Down the road, in the same state, in the same division, we're only, what, six days away, five days away from Joe Burrow being declared out for the season with a wrist injury. Joe Burrow did a huge deal this summer. And he becomes the highest paid player in terms of actual value. But let's be clear, it's not as strong a contract as Watson because of the security. Three years secured for $150-ish million for Burrow. The rest is injury guarantees. Okay, so again, it's a seven-year deal for Burrow. Three years are secured, not five like Watson. He got four years remaining after those three years, which are non-secured. They have something called injury guarantees. And let me explain injury guarantees. Injury guarantees are for paying players if they continue to be injured for an injury in a prior year. 
And there is some loose and bad reporting out there that now that Joe Burrow did this contract, he is paid the entire guarantee, not 140 something million, 219 million, which includes the injury guarantees just because he has a risk that keeps him out for the year. That is not true. That is wrong. People have reported that. That is wrong. This has no effect on the injury guarantee, this injury, unless it's career ending. The injury guarantees are year four and five. The only way those activate is if this wrist injury keeps Burrow out in three years and four years from now. That's not happening. So this injury has zero effect on next year. It might have had an effect on the injury guarantees if it happened in year three, but it's happening in year one of a seven-year contract. So Joe Burrow still has the three-year security, still has injury guarantees in years four and five. They have no effect on this wrist injury or vice versa. It's zero effect. He's paid this year. He's paid next year, no matter what happens. He got a Deshaun-like deal for three years. It's just four years are unsecured and injury guarantees. In my opinion, I've said this many times, have very, very little value. Because the amount of time a player can't play in future years due to an earlier year injury, who has that? No one has had that. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have that. Uh, picking ACLs don't have that. Achilles's don't have that. I think maybe Cam Chancellor one time with a neck injury got paid off on an injury guarantee. Maybe. Anyway, just to clear that up, just to give you my insights and perspective and to clear up some misinformation out there. Okay, next rant. I want to talk about not the Thanksgiving games. I talk about that with Ross. Black Friday. This is the first Black Friday game in the NFL. It will, in my opinion, and I'll stake my claim on this, be a staple. It will happen every year from now on. Every year, maybe to the end of time. This is not a one and done for the NFL or Amazon. Amazon has bought the NFL for the next 10 years for a billion dollars a year for 15 Thursday night games and a Black Friday game thrown in this year, but that's going to be every year. And it's so great for Amazon because Amazon doesn't care about, I mean, they say they do ratings. It's nice. They're getting NFL uh, network like ratings, but they really want prime memberships. That's their whole business. Prime memberships. And you get this game if you're on Prime. If you're not, you don't. It's very simple. And this is not only going to steal people for three and a half hours on Black Friday and keep them away from brick and mortar shops. It's going to keep them away from other online purchases, not on Amazon. And it's going to bring them to the portal, to Amazon to buy products. there. I don't know how it's going to be integrated to the broadcast. And it's going to get Bafo ratings even without Aaron Rodgers and even without Zach Wilson, the train wreck people like seeing. Tim Boyle is starting a quarterback against the Dolphins. The Dolphins should win easily. We'll see. Who knows? But no matter the game, it'll do great, as will Cowboys-Washington, as will the Packers-Lions, as will Seattle-San Francisco. You know, it's becoming commonplace that every week we have new ratings records, which makes you think that that $110 billion total media contracts for the NFL done two years ago might be a deal for the networks, not for the NFL, for the networks. And they have an out after seven years. The way we're going now, they're going to take it. They could take it. Okay. 
Speaking of media and and getting uh, media rights, I got to make a comment about the NBA in-season tournament. I watched it with my sons last night. They're looking at this court. Everyone's complaining about the courts. What's the deal? What's the deal? Why are they doing this? We know why they're doing this. <laughs> I mean, money. Follow the money. The NBA in-season tournaments, like the the F, the cups over in Europe, people get a little exercised about it. Who cares that the court looks funny? Why not? Something different. And it's November, early December. Who cares about the NBA? November, early December. But for now, everyone's talking about the NBA in-season tournament, whether they're complaining or not. That's great for the NBA. And we see exactly what this is. I see through it. It's inventory for the next media rights deal, which is going to be massive, which is starting negotiations soon, which will be the NBA talking to all the regulars, TNT, ESPN, maybe NBC, and probably Amazon about rights. And one of those may get the NBA in-season tournament exclusively. In other words, say Amazon has it on Tuesday and Friday nights for November only in early December. It's all Amazon. And that's the thing about this. This in-season tournament goes away one-fifth into the season or, you know, whatever, 25% at most of the season is gone. It's early. No one cares about the NBA through early December. Now they do a little bit. Players seem to be playing a little bit harder. The other thing I don't like is there's nothing for the teams. I mean, the 500000 for all players who win, great. More interest for the fans. Yeah, sure. What about the teams? There should be some incentive for winning or getting the semis. Uh, someone suggested getting a pick after the first round mm-hmm. for the winner. Sound, that sounds reasonable. Or getting a um, choice of playoff opponent, opponent, no matter where you land. Seems real reasonable. I can't imagine a team not making the playoffs from the tournament, winning the tournament. Anyway, that's all going to come. It's all going to come. It's fine. I have no problem with the NBA in-season tournament. If you don't like it, don't watch. I mean, these people that complain about the courts as they watch the courts, big deal. Um, And it is going to be a massive piece of inventory to sell, as we know. And they will sell it. They will sell it. So good on the NBA. Thinking about, again, out of the box, a little more progressive thinking from that league, more at Commissioner Silver more than any others. Uh, NBA in season is here to stay. Black Friday game is here to stay. We know it. All right. Now just want to bring in the simulcast I did with my friend Ross Tucker. He asked me on his podcast. It's on my podcast. I want to bring it in here. All about my time in Germany and Donna Kelsey and the fans over there and the, and the stadium. And of course, asked me about um, playing on Thanksgiving. My answer might surprise you about how much we loved playing on Thanksgiving. So here's my conversation with Ross to round out the podcast. You know, it's funny. I've been trying and wanting to talk to this guy ever since I saw that he went over to Germany (laughs) and experienced the NFL over there. You know him. You love him. You follow him. I think most of you do. If you don't, you should be on social media, at Andrew Brandt. He's, of course, the host of the critically acclaimed Business of Sports podcast, which I highly encourage everyone to make sure you subscribe to and listen, watch if you if you don't already. Andrew, let's start with that, man. I mean, we, there's some other stuff I want to get into with you, but I really wanted to hear 
about the experience that you had with the NFL having some games over in Germany. Yeah, always good to be with you, Ross. And that was a great experience. And I actually had my son come over because he's in the music business and he had some work over there as well that he could tap into. I just got a note from Oliver Luck. He's Andrew's father. He was general manager of the Frankfurt Galaxy and at one point president of NFL Europe where he said, we're going to get everyone together. We're going to get the band together. We were general managers together in 1992. He of the Frankfurt Galaxy, me of the Barcelona Dragons. And we gathered. We had an NFL Europe, World League, NFL Europa reunion. And, you know, Ross, you know me. What a better excuse to go to Germany than have that and, of course, see the game of the year in the AFC, the Chiefs and the Dolphins. So we did it. And I guess my initial impressions were obviously a much more sophisticated crowd than I experienced in Barcelona 30 years ago. But also just the infiltration, I guess, of the NFL in Germany. It seemed everywhere. There seemed to be knowledgeable fans. Obviously, it was a Chiefs home game, and that was very clear. It was probably 70% Chiefs games, Chiefs fans in that stadium. And a good understanding. But a couple of things that made you realize you're not an American anymore. They, the, the scoreboard, you know, we're used to these, like at SoFi, we have these length of the field scoreboard video boards. Theirs was like a basketball arena. You know, in the Frankfurt Stadium, it was just this little scoreboard. And the full-throated singing of Country Roads Take Me Home or Don't Stop Believing, it was just, was more impressive to me than the cheering for the touchdowns and everything like that. But I'm glad I did it. I love the experience. NFL is in Europe to stay. I think, just to sum this up, we're going to have a home schedule in Europe, not a home team. Let's say three games in London, two games in Germany, a game in Spain, maybe a game somewhere else in Europe. I think that's happening. I think every team will play there every other year, not necessarily all Europe. It could be Australia. It could be Brazil. That's where we're going with NFL overseas. You know, I always thought, Andrew, that that was the thing for the 17 games. Right. I always thought it'd be eight home games each and then one neutral site game with the majority of the neutral site games being international and maybe a handful being in St. Louis or San Antonio or insert city where a neutral site makes sense yeah and you know what as everyone should know with these 17 games there's one conference playing nine home games a year and the other playing eight home games this year it's the afc with nine so it makes sense teams like the jaguars the chiefs the dolphins etc went overseas next year it's the nfc with nine so it can easily be done so next year in my plan it would be the nfc having overseas games the following year will be the AFC. It makes perfect sense. So I think that's where they're going, as you do. So when you say a home schedule, so you're thinking eight or nine international games. I'm saying we won't have a home team over there, but every team will play there every other year. NFC one year, AFC the next year. I just think the interest is there. These games are going to continue to sell out, especially when you have one-offs in, in Munich or maybe Madrid, or maybe in Sydney, Australia, or maybe in Sao Paulo or Rio, Brazil. I think they'll continue to sell out. And I think that's more sustainable 
than trying to put a team in London, say, that plays over and over again, because the novelty will wear off. I know there are going to be some fans deeply ingrained over there, but I just think the better way is an international schedule, not an international team. I think that they are hesitant to go somewhere where they don't already know it's going to sell out immediately. Like they know what they have in London and I think they had a pretty good idea what they had in Germany. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see what the next stop is, but I I guess I just think that they're going to, they're going to want to make darn sure that it's going to be a sellout and a really big deal before they send a, a game somewhere else. Quick story before we leave this topic, Ross, I'm at a worldly reunion party, as I mentioned, we're at the Frankfurt Marriott where the Chiefs are staying and the Chiefs fans are just, you know, waiting to see a glimpse of any player. They're crowding the lobby. So we're in the back in a private room for our event. All of a sudden, they whisk this woman in security. They're like throwing her and she sits down right in front of me. And I'm like, who is this? And then the security clears. It's Donna Kelsey. (laughs) And and she, she was getting mobbed in the lobby. So they brought her back and... I could tell, you know, she was like, I didn't sign up for this. In America, maybe, but in Germany, geez. She looked exasperated, but a very nice woman. I said, listen, I'm not going to be the guy that asked her about Taylor Swift. I just said, hey, I'm from the Philly area. Your guy's beloved. Uh, Your son is beloved in the area. He's so humble. He's so ingrained in the Philadelphia community. You've done a wonderful job. That was really the extent of my conversation with her. You know, it's really a good point because she has gone from like, I don't know anybody really knew her name. Yeah. Until now she's like famous. Like that, like, usually it's more gradual than that. For her, it was like a a switch just got flipped. Yeah. And like I said, she just seemed exempt. Now she had some friends that were traveling with her that kind of help her through all this stuff. But I think when she got mobbed in the lobby of the Frankfurt, Germany Marriott, I think that got to her, but she was very nice. uh, And it was nice to sort of have dinner with her in in our event where she was escaping the mobs. Do you think the NFL messed up Andrew by not keeping NFL Europe? I remember them saying that they lost $32 million. Yeah. Which I remember thinking that's a million bucks a team. And that seems like so small for sort of a, a research and development. I mean, it was research, it was development, it was marketing. Like, that seems like a really small expense to be able to try different rules, to develop broadcasters, officials, kickers, players, and to be able to market your product internationally. Like, I remember never, that that decision never made sense to me. That's so interesting, Ross, because you just espouse the exact argument that was going around our worldly NFL Europe reunion two weeks ago. Everyone was saying the same thing you just said. I just think they had different goals back then. and They didn't really know if this was going to be a developmental league and we could never get quarterbacks. The idea was let's get third string quarterbacks to play over here. And the teams would be like, no, nah, we want to develop them in our offseason program. At that time, offseason program was really like 14 weeks, not six, seven weeks like now. Or make money. But, you know, here in Barcelona, when I was in Barcelona, it's like, well, you know, they didn't really understand the game. But uh, we had a player named Tony Rice from Notre Dame. And the league tells us we should trade him to New York because they know who he is. And in Spain, they didn't know who he was. (laughs) And we're like, well, what is this about? It's about marketing. 
or is it about our football team? Because we don't want to trade Tony Rice just because of marketing. So I think there were a lot of conflicting things back then, but it's obviously much more sophisticated now. And I think a game in Spain will do well. Um, speaking of experiences, uh, Andrew, tomorrow will be Thanksgiving. And it's interesting because the first game is Packers at the Lions, where you have a lot of experience yeah. with. The second game is Washington and the Cowboys. And I started in that game. 22 years ago. So I got experience with that one. So um, just your thoughts on, on uh, Thanksgiving and and your memories. Cause it felt like, feels like the Packers played like every other year almost. I was with the Packers 10 years, Ross, who played three times. Uh, And that's a lot, you know, it just feel felt like a couple of times it was like, we we were just here. Uh, Here's a little dirty little secret. Uh, We loved it. We loved it because it's 11.30 Central Time, right? We go Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving. People say, oh, man, you're, you're, not, you're giving up Thanksgiving. Not at all. We play at 11.30 Central. It was 12.30 in Detroit. We're home. We were home, you know, 5 o'clock maybe, 5.30 latest. Uh, and at the Thanksgiving dinner table by 6 with a four-day weekend ahead of us. I loved it. I mean, we loved it. And, of course, we were better than the Lions at that point, which may not be the case this year, but we would usually win those games. I think we won them all. Um, So, dirty little secret. We like the experience. It is different. You're feeling like um, it's really like almost like a showcase game. You get that feeling right away. It's kind of that big-time feel. Even, like I said, playing the Lions who weren't good in those years – is a real energy around that game you don't get in standard games. So, you know, I kind of liked it because we were so close in Green Bay and we got back for Thanksgiving dinner with our families right in time for dinner time. Hope you enjoyed my time with Ross. Always good to get with him on a holiday week. It was good to uh, reconnect. Ross and I will try to get together every month or so, do a simulcast, and brought in all my different insights before that. Hope you enjoyed hearing about the Watson and Burrow contracts in light of their injuries, and of course the NBA in-season tournament and Black Friday. Speaking of which, enjoy it. Enjoy time with family and friends. Be thankful. We all need a little more gratitude in our lives. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. Sign up, sportsbusinessleague.com if you want me every day and Wednesday meetings. Twitter, as you know, Andrew Brandt. <laughs> I have an interesting thing on there now with Jim Ursay. The owner of the Colts, check that out. Instagram, Andrew Brent too. And of course, my column at Sports Illustrated. You'll enjoy that one this week about the professionalization of college football. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Okay, Apple Podcasts, rankings, always give me those. Thanks. I would really appreciate it if you do. And share this podcast with a friend. I hope you find it unique. Thanks to Jack Connell, producer, musical producer, my son in the next room, Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for listening. I'm thankful for all of my listeners. I realize I don't have the reach of some of the massive podcasts, but I'm proud of the ones I got. (laughs) I got some good, good loyal followers. I enjoy you. Have a great week. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.